Hey everyone, I'm Varun Raja, and welcome to another edition of the Girls Chase podcast. I've been following Alec Rolstad keenly on Girls Chase for some time, impressed with his approach to presenting yourself as a sexually experienced and desirable man. As of late, Alex has been refining and presenting complex articles on sexual prizing, the idea that you as a man can be viewed as a prize for providing incredible sexual experiences to a woman. Like some other episodes we've had recently, this podcast covers some highly advanced game, yet includes concepts on expressing sexuality effectively with women that can truly skyrocket your success with the girls you desire. Hello, Alec. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. How are you? Doing pretty great, dude. How about you? I'm doing great. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward because I have a lot of things to say tonight. I know. We have a huge subject to cover on sexual prizing and how to talk sexually. And I know that you've had a lot of experience in this because you've been, I guess, practicing and getting better at seduction for the last decade or so. How did you start this journey and when? Uh, it was about like eight years ago, nine years ago. I'm, wow. I'm not really sure yet. I'm 23 now, and I feel old for some reason because I started out when <laughs> I was uh, 14. So I'm actually a veteran in a way, but still a very young kid, and it feels pretty strange, to be honest. Wow, my God. So, I mean, not too many of us start out that young, and it's something that I know that a lot of people wish they had started at that age because, you know, you have so much more to grow out of when you're older, all these limiting conversations and things like that, which I think that you probably didn't have because you started out at that age. Yeah, well, there's one element here that plays a crucial role is that most men, when they actually find the community, as we like to say, we call this the community, the place where you learn pickup and seduction, is that they usually have a lot of baggage with them. You know, it's, they have a lot of usually bad experiences with women that affects their belief system in a negative way. And usually they have to unlearn a lot of bad habits and bad beliefs. I, on the other side, didn't have to do that. I was, I didn't have much life experience. I mean, come on, I was 14. I haven't really been able to live and develop myself yet. So I actually grew up in the community in many ways. That's cool, man. Like, I mean, how did that happen? So you started young at 14. And from what I understood and what you told me, you really wanted to be part of this cool group in school. And so you started working on yourself at that tender young age. I mean, let's be honest with each other. You know, most young kids, when they go to school, want to be one of the popular guys, one of the cool guys, you know, the guys people like, getting social value in a way. And I wanted to, to become that guy. So I usually start hanging around guys who I thought were pretty popular in a way. And I learned a lot from these people, like how to behave in a social context. And I learned how to dress. There were some older guys who actually took me out shopping. And that was the first time I actually learned that fashion actually plays a role. And, start, and it really helped me out. That's so cool because some guys, you know, even when they're in their 30s or 40s, they still have no idea how important fashion is <laughs> in terms of being attractive. I remember back then it was pretty like it was pretty fashionable to wear pink and I bought my first pink t-shirt. I, I feel pretty strange at first, but it was pretty cool back then. Yeah, this was back in what, the 2000s at some point? Yeah, 2000s, yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that time too. <laughs> So yeah, I learned a lot from them and actually end up going to parties and occasionally I made out with a few girls. I made out with three girls before I broke my virginity. It was pretty exciting. Now if I make out with a girl, I wouldn't really care. But back then, wow, it was awesome. When I kissed a girl, I would stay awake all night and really enjoy it and see the progress. I always had this motivation to become better. And when I saw the progress, it really lighted me up, to be honest. Right, so, right. Uh, but I didn't break my virginity yet. Okay. How did that happen? Yeah, that happened in Spain. And that was actually a few months later. And ironically, it had nothing to do with how cool I was or how popular I was. Because I met this girl in a hotel uh -huh. in the Canarias, which are islands outside of Spain, not too far from Africa. It was during the Christmas holidays. And I went to a hotel with my family. And of course, as a young kid, I wanted to stay up, up all night and hang out, you know. Unfortunately, that hotel was pretty dead. There was nothing to do there, nothing right. at all. So I met this girl 
she was in the same situation as I was. She was bored as fuck. And around the hotel, you can find a store, and there was a bar with old people. Uh-huh. And there was a desert. There was a desert, literally a desert behind the hotel. Wow. So we ended up talking to each other because we were the only young people there. So naturally, at 12 o'clock at night, and you're the only young kid, and you find another young kid. She was 16, actually, so she was older. Oh, wow. So your first experience was with an older girl, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. Sweet. And we sat down and talked about buying booze and get drunk. I mean, stuff that is really exciting for young people, you know, at that age. Oh, to get drunk. Ooh, you know. <laughs> um, so, and what happened was that we didn't buy any booze. We didn't drink anything. We just started making out. Uh-huh. We made out. And it just happened naturally, you know. She took my hand and we walked we walked outside, you know, a little bit and, and made out. And then we actually had sex on a pool table. Oh, my God. On a freaking pool table on your first time? Yeah, it didn't feel that great. But it was, I was so excited, you know. It, and I actually got my first BJ. And this girl was actually really good. I still think back about <laughs> the BJ. And uh-huh. wow. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because my first experience was not only with someone experienced, so she managed to provide me good sex. Yeah, it seems like she led you along a little bit too. Yeah, she did. She was probably bored and wanted to bang and she was used to fucking. I was not. Yeah. And she provided me such good sex, which is actually pretty unusual for people who are breaking their virginity. Yeah, yeah. I've not heard of too many people that have amazing experiences on their first time, but man, that is unique on a pool table. <laughs> on one side, it's actually, as I start out with, having good sex in a way it affects the way i perceive sex and the way my behavior towards sex it became later on you know and there's another aspect there is that the sex was pretty wild on the pool table at 14 uh, it's wow you know exactly exactly so so that also kind of affected my belief around women and sexuality i didn't have this belief that well women are asexual or anything like that because i experienced like a part of female sexuality pretty early on so yeah that was an exciting thing unfortunately the girl i was having sex with she had to take care of her little sister but she eventually came back and we finished off on a rock in the desert you know and it didn't feel that great either the rock wasn't better than the pool table but i actually ejaculated in a girl's mouth for the first time wow that was awesome and she swallowed as well i mean oh come on i love sex since then i like how vivid remember the story still you yeah. know like eight years yeah. later it's freaking awesome i mean yeah. who wouldn't it's on a pool table and you lost your virginity in such a spectacular way i mean this really goes into framing the rest of our discussion which is you know how sexual women are and how to really bring it out of them and one more thing that actually formed my belief around women and sexuality was that she actually had a boyfriend oh <laughs> wow it gets even trickier that was like, <laughs> to me it was eye-opening it was my opening experience Right. That's so something not there, you know, in society, we're told, you know, you're not supposed to have that kind of experience, especially if a woman has a boyfriend. But here you are, your first yeah. time, probably shattered. Like if you had any limiting beliefs, that would have definitely shattered them right there and then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the funny thing is that this is where I was born in a way. That's where it all started. And when I was 18, I went back there and I was counting my lays since I joined the community, you know, and because that was a silly thing to do. But hey, I was young. <laughs> Come on. And my lay number 100 was on that same island, not too far away from, from that place, about the same time of the year, actually. And of course, that was in 2010, I think. So it was later. This happened in 2007, I think. Yeah. And what I did was that after I got my lay number 100, I went to back to that rock and put the flower there. I mean, I think it's important to actually pay homage to, you know, show some respect to things that have actually had a huge impact on your life. So to me, it's a ritual. And if I ever go back there, I'll do that again every time I go there. Of course, it's paying respect to your journey and, you know, how far you've come across and come along since then. It's quite spectacular, right? So it's kind of an inspiration to all of us, right? I mean, you've been working and hard and committed for the last eight years, and now you have all these amazing results to show for it, which we're going to delve right into right now. Yeah, actually, when I went back there, I went to a new school because I moved, and then I kept on with my journey to become a popular guy and cool, you know. But it didn't take long. Like six months later, I actually found the community finally. Right. So back then it was probably in a different stage. I mean, right now in the modern time, we have an abundance of resources, but it seems that about a decade ago, it was limited to mainly a small group around, you know, the book, the game and MASF and all that. 
Well, it was not like in the early 2000s. I mean, you could find it. I mean, the web was pretty developed already, but I mean, you had to do research. You know, it wasn't that common knowledge back then. Right. And it was in 2007. I was actually 15 then. And I got a really bad kidney infection and I couldn't do shit for a month or two. I don't remember exactly, but I, I was home and I decided, like, hey, you know what? Let's go online and see if I can find some resources, you know. And I actually discovered then the book, The Game, which I read in two days or three days, I don't really remember, but I swallowed that book. And then I Googled a little bit, and then that was where I found the MASF, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And that's where I started learning. Of course, for those that don't know, MASF is one of the oldest seduction forums and hosted some of the more notable people that you see and hear about today. People like Mystery, Tyler Durden, you know, of RSD, Neil Strauss of The Game, Swingcat... Chase, of course, was also part of it, too. And a couple of other authors on Girls Chase were part of MASF before they went out on their own things. And, of course, you. Yeah, sure. And I was actually the youngest guy there, which uh, was pretty cool. Of course, I had a little bit of problems understanding all the concepts because, first of all, my English was limited. And mm-hmm. people, when they were reading my posts, they were, like, scratching their head because it was so badly written. <laughs> oh, God. But people were like, oh, this this young kid is motivated and... He really wants to learn because many of the guys, they just want to have to learn a few tricks, tips and tricks, and try to get that one special girl. I was actually in it to learn how to become the seducer, you know, the man who can fuck girls. Nice. Get girls, you know. So I was actually into it to learn the real art. And I think a lot of like more advanced user um, posters actually really liked that thing. So they were really open to help me out. One of them was actually Gunwitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, who actually helped me because at first I was still with that mindset of becoming cool and liked. So I actually checked out Swing Cat, which is a, an old seducer which found a lot of the principles that are known to this day. Right, right. I mean, he's known for his topics on prizeability, which is, I guess, related to sexual prizing, and as well as a book he wrote called Real World Seduction, which is something that we also advocate on Girls Chase. Yeah, it was basically the whole idea of getting girls to chase you by showing mixed signals the concepts such as push and pull for example uh, right you know what you're sweet but i think there's something strange about you like stuff like that right but the cool thing about i mean he really teaches that stuff in a very good way unfortunately i didn't get much laid because i didn't really uh there's one thing to make the girl like you, but there's another one other thing to actually make the sex happen. And I talked to Gunwich on the chat room back then, and he told me that get laid, not liked. And this sounds mm, terrible, wow. but there's a point in it. You know, you need to make the sex happen. You need to make a move. You need to push things forward. You know, you need to take care of logistics. I mean, in other words, having a place to fuck, lead her there, escalate, persist a little bit, and use eye contact, physical escalation, and all that. So I mix that up with a little bit of the swing cat stuff. And it worked pretty well, you know. I wasn't pro seducer back then, so I didn't get late that much, but I I did get late. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty, pretty awesome. I actually got my first real, really nice result with all this was actually, I went to a party and I hooked up this girl who I actually went to summer camp with when I was 12, who I actually felt in love with back then. I know, small children falling in love with (laughs) that kind of thing, right? (laughs) I hooked her up, you know, and logistics were pretty bad. She was sleeping over at a friend's place and we were leaving that party and she dragged me away. And a friend of mine followed us and we actually had to sneak in to her friend's place into a bedroom where she was sleeping with another friend. And we actually had a kind of a swinger party. I fucked my girl, my friend fucked the other girl, and then we swapped over, and we were like 15 back then. Oh my god, man. This is like some stuff people don't do until their 30s at times, you know? (laughs) That's so cool. Well, I had a little bit of a limiting belief at first, because I'm like, I can't fuck her, my friend is here. But Uh then I turned around, I saw that my friend, who actually was a natural, he was actually already a natural talent with women. He was actually already fucking the girls. I was like, fuck it, I'll do it, you know? (laughs) Okay, well, there you go. There's some intensive right there. Yeah, so I started out, and... As I mentioned, I had this kidney infection, so I was reading a lot of material at first, not practicing because I couldn't practice it. But actually, right after reading the player's guide, which is the guide people start out with on MASF, which uh-huh. is basically a fact, you know, frequently asked questions and all that. And then I decided to try it out. And I went back to Spain on another island this time, and there I actually tried out stuff on the Danish girl who actually was going to revolutionize the way I seduce women later on. 
Oh, really? So tell me about how did she change your viewpoint on seduction and dating and relationships and sexuality? So what happened was that I tried out a few of the tricks I learned, like such as uh, disqualifying her a little bit and touching her a little bit and flirting, you know, very basic stuff. I mean, that was my first attempt at this stuff. I didn't have much anxiety, actually, because I didn't have the baggage, as we mentioned earlier on. Yeah, yeah. But I felt totally to have sex with her. I mean, I got resistance and she put me right into the friend zone, totally uncalibrated. Uh... But I kept staying with her, you know, I kept, I met her the next day and all that. And we had a few drinks. A friend friend of her eventually joined us later on okay and they started talking about sex and they started talking about deep throats oh okay deep throat getting really explicit right in front of you yeah in details like they were asking each other questions like hey do you like deep throating yeah i kind of like it i really like feeling this whole cock in my mouth like deep inside of me you know i think it's really nice you know what about you yeah i'm not really sure but i'll do it to please the guy the other girl said and i was there listening and the danish girl i originally made out with she was the one being the most dirty and talking in a way that communicated that she had a certain skill set when it came down to deep throating. So what happened was that my attraction to her, she was hot, but my attraction to her just skyrocketed. You know, it was, mm. wow. I felt that if I ever managed to win this girl over, I would get the best deep throat of my life. Of course. I mean, she's talking about it so explicitly, not to you, but to her friend. But in the meantime, you're still getting a picture of her going down on your cock you know, yeah. all the way and how good that might feel. Yeah, and I'm sure it would have felt great. Unfortunately, I never, <laughs> yeah. I, never, I never got her, but I got something better. I got the best lesson of my life. Uh-huh. And this is where actually the whole idea of sexual pricing, which we'll talk about later, came from. Back then, unfortunately, I didn't really think about it. I mean, I just started out with pickup and seduction. I didn't really have the skill set to really analyze every interaction learned from them yet. But I kept it, of course, as a memory in my mind. Yeah. And what happened was that a few years later, it was um, two years later. I already been practicing pickup and seduction for a while. I, I, I've been to Gunwich Method a little bit, like Swing Cat, Real World Seduction. Another old style called Grandmaster Style, which, which is about like uh, mixing uh, humor and direct sexual lines. It's kind of a method that either works out really great or you fail totally. So right. High risk, high reward stuff. But this experience with this Danish girl, like you... Forgot about it for two years and suddenly it came back up again. It came back again one day when I started going to junior high school and I went to this marketing class and we talked about different human needs and social value, which is basically what most pickup stuff is based on, is not that much of an important need such as sex, for example. Sex is one of the primary needs a human has. And that made me think that, hmm, why if I forget this whole thing about being a cool, awesome, you know, uh, having that social value and all that. What if I forget about all that and just try to focus on being sexual and communicate that I can provide good sex instead of communicating that I can provide high social value? Oh, wow. This is like a totally different take. I mean, I think you're referring to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I am. I am. But of course, the physiological needs, which include sex, are much greater and, and a bigger need for all human beings, including women, than other issues like being a cool guy or providing social validation. I mean, those are important too, but at the core of it, the baseline requirement is that we all want to have really intense sexual experiences and be satisfied in that way. Well, I think, first of all, I just want to mention this very quickly, that social value still matters in a way because I don't use it as a way to actually get laid. Right. But I use it as a way to make a girl feel allowed, which I will talk more about later. Is that, for example, if you are a guy who looks like total shit, you're not groomed, your breath smells like shit, your clothes looks like shit, then she doesn't really feel allowed to have sex with you. She can't really be seen with you. So social value, in a way, makes it easier for her to accept your sexual moves, in a way. Right. So I think it's important to have a baseline, okay, social value, like dress good, have a cool behavior, act like a cool guy, in a way. But the main thing that attracts her is actually being sexual and the ability to offer good sex. So it's basic sales, in a way. Instead of providing high social value to her, in other words, being surrounded with a high social value male, right. I'm more of the guy who can give her the sex of her life. Wow. And this is where actually the whole idea of sexual pricing came back in. And that's where I was thinking back on this Danish girl, where she talked about how good she was at deep throat thing, which made me really attracted to her back then. And I was thinking, what if I 
do the exact same thing as she did on me on the girls I meet. How would that work? Mm, wow, there's a revolutionary little idea. <laughs> so basically, you're running then direct sexual game. I mean, the idea being that women will chase you if you can offer them an really amazing experience sexually, as opposed to just exclusively social proof or whatever. You're offering a different kind of validation and really getting into the roots of their sexual desires. That's exactly what it's all about. And what happened was that after I went to this class and started thinking back on this Danish girl, I went to this party and I was thinking... Actually, I had a great time there. We had a few drinks. I met this really hot blonde girl there. And we started talking, you know. We had a great conversation. And then suddenly I started telling her that, you know what? I think it's such a shame that people are actually so close-minded that they don't want to actually have great sex. Mm-hmm. I think most men really suck in bed, you know. And I think girls suck as well. And I think it's time to open up and actually try to provide each other the sex of our lifetime. And then she was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, actually. Yeah, you got a point. You know, it's funny. Most men, they don't even know how to lick a pussy. (laughs) It's true. And they don't even like doing it. I really love licking pussy. I think it's it's very feminine. I like the, the, the way it smells, the way it feels. I mean, the whole vibe around the vagina. And I really like to just lick the whole pussy start around it lick her hole and lick my way up i mean this is like getting into a whole different subject but the core is like most guys don't take the time to learn how to please women sexually and how to really delve into all the different elements of their sexuality because i mean women are pretty similar when it comes to sex most of the time there's some complexity but not nearly as complex or as powerful in their experiences you can have as if you were a woman Because you can have like all types of intense sexual experiences as a woman, depending on how calibrated you are, how sensitive you are. And mainly if you just have a lover that knows what he's doing. That's basically what sexual pricing is all about. If we look back, the pussy licking story I just shared. What I did was doing the exact same thing as the Danish girl. Instead of talking about deep throating, because I don't deep throat. Of course, I don't do men. So I was thinking, what's the male to female side of it, which is pussy licking. So I was thinking, what if I talk about pussy licking? And most girls like pussy licking, just like most men like to be sucked off. So that's what happened. And the idea here was that I was able to communicate to her that I am a man who knows my stuff. I'm the man who can actually give you, if you manage to win me over, I will lick your pussy and I will lick it good. I will make you come like no fucking tomorrow and that's the whole idea and girls just like men they want to fuck they want to have good sex and especially women because it's for us men you know and even i could make you come you know if you just touch your dick enough you'll ejaculate <laughs> you know what i mean but girls is more it's more complex in a way it requires more for them to actually orgasm but when they do orgasm Holy crap. Yeah, it's way more powerful and it's something just like, I guess as a man, we'll never really be able to compare, no matter how hard we try. (laughs) I actually disagree a little bit because most men can come easily, but they can't come hard easily. I mean, this orgasm you get when you shake, you know, it's awesome, you know. Or you just shake for like 10 minutes, literally straight, nonstop. Yeah, it's fun to watch, at least. <laughs> so, so. so in other words, sexual pricing is about displaying, communicating the ability that you can actually provide good sex, that you can provide her a sexual for life, that you, that you have the knowledge and the skill set that, that she needs to have a great time. So basically, the idea is to sub-communicate yourself as a really good lover in the same way that when the Danish girl that you mentioned was talking about how good she is at sucking someone's cock, how well she can deep throat, if we were to do the same thing with a woman, talking about how to lick a pussy and how to lay lick it well, or, you know, different ways to penetrate, different ways of orgasming, she can actually imagine herself going through the same experience, while at the same time it's making her curious about you and all the skills that you have. Ten points, you got it totally right. And the way you communicate that sexual pricing is by talking about sex. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a bit about that. Like, what is the proper way to talk about sex? Because I think this is where, you know, a lot of guys have a lot of misunderstandings is because it's such a taboo thing in our society and what we're taught, like, you know, 
we're not supposed to quote unquote talk about sex during dates or with women, but yet this is what we really want. So what is the right way to communicate your sexuality and talk about sex with a woman? All right, I'll first discuss how we can talk about sex in a way that's not creepy and actually calibrated. Uh -huh. And then I will talk about the actual content of sex talk, different stuff you can talk about to communicate sexual pricing, in other words, communicate that you're a good lover. Right. So the way you talk about sex, and let me start with the wrong way, which is the way most men actually talk about sex with girls. And what they do is to walk up to a girl and be very direct in their in sexual interest, which is, hey, I want to fuck. Or, hey, when I get back home with you, I will push my shoe right into a wall, lick your neck and lick my way down to your breast and suck them and then go down on your pussy. You know, that stuff will basically just trigger her resistance right up, which eventually or most likely lead to very harsh rejection. Oh, of course, because that's going to make them very uncomfortable very quickly. Yeah, we've kind of forced them to be in a position where they actually have to choose whether or not they want to proceed with your sex invitation. You know, they have to either accept your move or not. And if they accept your move, and if it's that open and that direct, they actually feel pretty, they feel like sluts, you know, they, they feel like dirty. And women have this, uh, they are afraid of the slut labels, so they'll protect themselves. Oh, of course, the reputation is everything to a woman. I mean, we talked about this in some of the other podcasts, but, you know, this is why we have things like discretion and really handling these things ahead of time, just to make sure she's comfortable and to protect her reputation so that she can be sexual with you easily and fluidly. Basically, the thing is you want to avoid putting in a position where she actually has to make a move, you know, in a way that she has to say yes or no. You don't want to force her to make a move that other people or she can feel or perceive as being slutty. Right. So what you do is you talk about sex like if it was any other topic. Like if you were talking about cooking food. It's that simple. Look at it this way. If you were to tell me how to make a really nice pasta, uh -huh. different recipes, you go into deep details about how you do it, but you'll talk about it in the same way. So basically, I will talk about how I actually please women. And there you can actually talk about the different, the psychology behind good sex, sex fantasies, for example, or sex techniques. I really like sex techniques. It's a really nice way to actually communicate sexual pricing, different like squirting techniques or different orgasm techniques, all that stuff. Right. And, or you can talk about sexual massages, different sex positions. Dominance is a very usual topic or, you know, all that stuff. You can also talk about her anatomy, different spots, different erogenous zones, all that stuff described in deep details will make her think of you as a man who knows his shit. But the key, of course, is to not make her the object or the direction of this conversation. So you're talking about sex with her, but it's not directed at her. It's not like, oh, if I do this to you, if I put my finger in your pussy, you're going to come eight times. But you're talking about it more of in a broad way. This is how you can come eight times with any girl, for example. All right. So basically, the idea here, the mindset, the overall frame is that I can fuck you really well, but I'm not saying that I necessarily will do it. Bingo. Unless you show me the signs that you want me to do it. Oh, uh, okay. So basically what you want to do is to tell her the things you can do to a girl. Okay. But you're not telling her anything that makes her think that you really have intentions or plans to do it with her. She needs to feel that there's a possibility that you might actually end up with her if things are right, but you're not making it too obvious. And there are a few important things to mention here. First of all, this makes you differ from every other guy who talks about sex, which is always a bonus. Of course, most guys, when they talk about sex, the woman is the object of that conversation. And, you know, it's a sexual conversation about how he might be sexual with her. Whereas in this conversation that we're describing, it's less, it's less clear and less direct. I mean, you know, you're talking about sexual topics with the girl, but it's not really clear to her if, if she doesn't quite understand if it's directed to her or not. Yes. And this thing, that was my other point, is that actually when you talk this way about sex to a girl, you don't communicate that you are really into her sexually yet. You're just showing her that you might be into her, but not like directly. So what happens is that she starts wondering whether or not you really want her. You kind of give mixed signals in a way. And this is really powerful. We all know that women love to feel that sense of mystery about whether or not the guy really wants her. Yeah, this is why like push-pull works so well, for example. 
And of course, in this situation, and you're talking about sex with a woman, but not necessarily with that particular girl. So all these three things, the most important thing, of course, is that you don't make it too obvious. You don't trigger that resistant things in the first thing. That's the most important of it. And the other things are bonuses. If you do it this way, you will avoid any potential resistance most of the time. But it's still open for resistance. But with time, you will actually manage to avoid it because you'll be more calibrated. But mm. that being said, it is still important to display attainability and to show interest because you want to keep her motivated to pursue you. Because if, if you don't, she will lose motivation. She will think, oh, this guy, he just want to talk about sex, but he's not really interested in me. I should maybe go and find some other cock. Now he made me horny. Now I really need to go find someone who's actually available. You don't want that to happen. So what you can do is to just show her some interest. And you can do that by doing it some way, the classical way, which is, for example, to touch her. Right. Or to even compliment her. But I warn you, don't compliment on her looks because I think it's, mm, I don't really like it. It's cheesy. Compliment her on her response to your sexual, to your sex talk. For example, if, if she uh. answers that, oh, yeah, you know what? I really love dominance. You can tell her, you know what? I really like girls who likes to be dominated. You know, you seem like a really cool girl. Wow. I love you. And basically what you're doing there is you're qualifying. You're qualifying her. Right. You're making her feel that like she's qualified to be with you. The compliment is more of a reward to her positive response. Right. And that can either be done by complimenting her when she responds positively to your sex talk or by touching her anytime she shows sign of interest, which she will do if you deliver the sex talk right. Yeah. And you're adding other elements too to also convey that this is still something or you're just moving along the process. You always want to reward a girl when she's being sexual. Yeah. On the other side, you can also disqualify her anytime she's like being, you know, you know that's dirty. You know, and I say, you know, you think that's dirty? You know, I'm totally cool with you not liking everything, but I don't think it's nice if you to be judgmental. Uh, you know, you're a really hot girl. You're cool, but you're judgmental. That's not cool. And now you're punishing your viewpoint. And she was like, no, no, I'm not that judgmental. You know, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, I like you. And you can play it that way. So anytime she responds positively, you can give her a compliment for it. You know, I really like the fact that you like this and that, you know, or I really like the fact that you are this and that way towards sex. But if she doesn't respond in the right way, you can either freeze her out by not talking to her or you can tell her directly, you know, I don't like that you are judgmental, you know, hmm. or not open-minded. Right, right. And, and usually they will qualify back. But anytime you disqualify when she responds in a negative way, you force her to qualify back. And of course, especially in this situation, I mean, I don't think there's too many girls that want to come off as being totally unsexual or not enjoying sex, right? I mean, most girls want to, or most of us want to think that we're good in bed or we want to be good in bed. The thing is, most girls will act like they're judgmental and they're not into all this dirty stuff. But when you disqualify them, you're basically telling her that you don't really like girls who are asexual. You, you're not looking for purity like most men are. Most men want a girl who is asexual in a way. Yeah. In a way, she wants a bang, but she's not like this dirty sexual freak. Right. What you're doing is that you're telling her, I don't want this pure girl. I want you to be the real sexual girl, the real sexual beast that you're supposed to be. Wow. The way nature made you. And that itself can actually be a very powerful thing that can turn around in no time. <laughs> and then she will qualify back and say, you know what? I actually like being dominated. And when she tells you that, you have already, I mean, you're pretty close to bed already. That's all I can tell you. I mean, you got to see it for yourself. That's freaking awesome. It seems like this whole thing streamlines the process. I mean, when you get really good at talking about sex and transitioning into such conversations and really bringing it up, then you're kind of shortening the amount of time it takes to get her horny and interested in you sexually and really take her home. Well, sometimes it takes 30 minutes. And usually when it takes longer, it's because I like to drag it longer because I actually uh, like talking about sex. I really love knowing what she likes, you know? Yeah. And here's the fun thing is that, of course, I can't, my sex talk needs to be calibrated for her. But what I do is I usually start off with a topic that I know most girls like. And you can do some research on female sexuality and find out stuff. You know, usually dominance is usually a topic they really like to, talk to I mean, just talk about and experience in real life. So I'll start talking about that. But what if? What if she's not into dominance? Well, you know what? I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because then I'll tell you, you know what? That's cool. But what do you like? No, what's your kink? You know, I've told you mine. Now it's your turn to tell me yours. So then you're also kind of qualifying her in that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm an open-minded guy. And that's something I want to communicate. So I'm totally cool with her not liking that and that. As long as she yeah. isn't judgmental. 
you know everybody has their kinks and i'm totally cool with that and that's something i want to communicate to her and the other side another cool thing here is that i find out what she likes so i can calibrate my sex talk to her stuff and when you actually hit the nail and you push a button you, you touch upon a kink that she's really into that's when sexual prizing it's at its strongest that's when she can't wait to fuck you basically that's beautiful man <laughs> so i take it you know you open girls and you have pretty normal conversation and then at some point you transition into a sexual conversation i mean it seems that it's almost a skill that you can take any subject or any topic or any object and transfer it into a sexual context is that correct it's actually correct i will admit however that transitioning to sex talk is actually the most challenging aspect of it oh. but with practice which i do have by now it's been uh, since i was 16, 15, I played around with this concept. So now I'm 23. So yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've been practicing it. So now, yeah, now I can basically transition any topics, any conversation, anything into sex talk or into a sexual subject. That's awesome. And it's so critical. Maybe we should talk about that for a bit. I mean, yeah, how, sure. how do you recommend we listeners learn how to transition to sexual conversations and really practice it? Well, first of all, you have a few kind of routines you know, actually, I will teach you a way to actually train up that skill first, and then I will give you a few routines in case you end up in a situation where you have no idea how to get sexual with her. So <laughs> let me start Perfect. off, you know, because sometimes it's good to have a way out in case things doesn't go the way it's supposed to be. So usually the way you can train up your skill is by taking any object on your desk right now and think about it for a few seconds and then think of a way how you can transition from that object into a sexual subject. You know? Hmm. Okay. So let's say I have a calculator on my desk right now. All right. I mean, that's actually a pretty tricky one because, of course, in a bar or in a coffee shop, you won't see calculators. But it's always good to try out with objects that are not usually related to, you know, situations where you meet girls. But let's say calculator. I would say something along the line of, actually, you know what? I think I'll transition to the sex talk now and I will actually do the real sex talk all the way so people can get how I can actually transition all the way from nothing to something really cool. All right, so let's say calculator. You know, some people are really calculating. Um, they calculate everything they do. They don't just can let go with the flow. I mean, sure, it is totally okay if you want to calculate how much money you spend every day or calculate your work, but some people take it just too far. They take it even to their bed when they're actually having sex with people. They even calculate their every moves. Yeah, and she might answer, yeah, that's my pretty bad thing. Yeah, girl, you know, sex can't be good when things are that way. No, it can't. You know, I think most sex is pretty bad, actually. You know, think about the last time you had good sex. When was that? I and mean, sometimes the girl even answer, I never had good sex. Sometimes she'll say, ah, oh, it was this time, blah, 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 blah. I'll say, you know what? I totally understand you. It's totally normal. You know, most people, they don't, can't really enjoy themselves. You know, they just want to masturbate into someone's body, you know, like use a pussy as a sex toy. I think it's more important to actually have sex with the whole girl, you know, not just the pussy or ass or, or breast. I want to enjoy her whole body. Like I want to start by kissing her passionately and gently, maybe tease her lips a little bit and maybe then lick my way up to her neck and then lick my way down and then up again and then down and then further to her breast and then put her breast, her nipple into my mouth and lick it slowly while I stimulate her whole breast with my hands and then maybe go onto the next breast and do the same thing there slowly, gently. And maybe bite a little bit just to stimulate a little bit, you know, and then walk all the way back up just to be a little tease and kiss her a little bit more and then go down slowly lick my way down, kiss my way down her belly, all the way to her hips, and then down to her leg, and then up again, and down again, and then to the next leg, and then lick my way up to her vagina, and stick my tongue into her opening, and then stick it deep inside her pussy, and lick my way up to her clitoris, and put it in my mouth, and then lick her like no tomorrow. By the way, what's your favorite food? You know, you know, and then you can actually fractionate it, you know, which, by the way, is a cool thing to do. Wow. I'm I'm smiling like a little kid right now. <laughs> Just listening to that. That was beautiful. Basically, here's the cool thing. All right. And I will actually use it this way. This routine once. This is something I usually do. And this lights up girls. Like they light up totally. It's like the shame should be like, whoa, I want to fuck this guy right away. He knows how to tease a girl. 
And it's so simple. If you want to become a good lover today, stop teasing her a little bit, like sexually, go up and down, up and down, that way. It'll make you go from a bad lover to a good lover in no time. Believe me, trust me on that one. <laughs> and anyway, but it's so simple. And then you, I like to fractionate things because the thing is, I mean, fractionation is basically all about going from one topic into a totally different topic. So I go from sexual to social. What's your favorite thing? Right, right, right. What happens there is that, first of all, I make her want more. She wants more. She wants to learn more about the sex talk thing, but he just took it away from me. You know, it's like, it's like watching a TV <laughs> show, you know? You see the first episode and you're like, wow, I'm hooked in. And then it stops. I'm like, ah, but I wait a week for it. And then there's, there's the publicity and you're like, oh, fuck, 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 start again, you know? And then you have to wait for the next season. You wait, I mean, you get excited. So this is a cool so thing. So you're to building do. up for anticipation. Yes, you do day. that. And there's nothing that's by switching to a social topic, you will actually allow her to digest the whole thing to really let it fall in to her. And after that, I will talk more about like cooking or DJing or whatever, anything, anything goes basically. And then I'll tell her, and she wants more of it. And I'll tell her, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I think it's too noisy around here. Why don't we go back to my place and have a real drink and get to know each other a bit more? And believe me, after, if you manage to deliver that sex talk properly, for example, this lick up and down thing I just did, she will most likely say yes. Wow. And then you walk back to your place and you have a glass of wine and then you actually do that thing on her. And believe me, <laughs> you'll have a great night. Beautiful. Trust me on that one. Yeah. So it seems in the overall context of process, you start by transitioning into the sexual conversation. And then as you delve deeper and deeper into it, you're really kind of painting a picture of, for her as to what this guy might be doing. I mean, she's not the subject off your sex talk, but she can certainly associate with all the motions that you're doing and everything you're saying. And as you lead her deeper and deeper into it, you fractionate and switch topics. Yeah, I mean, there's another thing. Beside the fact that you actually make her want more, which is basically the main thing, the other thing is that sometimes when you talk about sex too much, and this goes for anything, if you use too many cool lines or share too many cool stories, are not that cool anymore. You know, if you get like too many cool episodes in a season, the season doesn't become that cool. You know, you need to make some contrast. Right. And that's, that's basically the idea of fractionation because you go from one state to another. Right. And when you first deliver a sex talk, it becomes, she'll value it much more because you switch to boring topics, which she doesn't really like, and then boom, back up. And then boom, <laughs> again, you know? And another cool thing about it, this is more into hypnosis stuff, which is basically that when you fractionate the stuff like this, you can actually confuse her a little bit and make her more open to your material, to your suggestions, for example. But that is a side note. Right. This is just a side note. Cool, cool, man. And of course, you can apply any kind of sexual topic, I mean, into this, right? I mean, you can talk about how women like dominance in bed. So in other words, he understands me on a sexual level or how the clitoris is just made for pleasure, how women can have up to eight different kinds of orgasms in different places and describing each of them. And there's just so many opportunities and possibilities to really expand on the subject with the woman. Yeah, that eight types of orgasm was one of my first like real routines about when it came down to sex talk. I basically described eight different types of organs. Usually I only mentioned seven. And the reason I did that was because in case her mood changed, I would say, tell her like, hey, for instance, I forgot to tell you about the seventh, you know, so you have some leverage later on, you know, in case stuff goes bad. Right. But usually women actually have different types of organs. And the idea is to actually describe each of them. So you have full body orgasm, mental orgasm, breast orgasm, clitoris orgasm, G-spot, U-spot, deep spot, and A-spot orgasm. So basically what I want to do with the girl is tell her that, hey, you know what, you actually... I usually like to start off with, you know what? Some people believe that women don't like sex, but that we both know is bullshit. And she'll say like, yeah, well, you know what? It is because did you know that you as a girl can get eight different types of orgasm? I mean, come on, don't tell me you don't like sex. I mean, come on, I wish I was you now, right now because I can only get two different types of orgasm. And one of them is in my ass. You know, I mean, it's not that cool. <laughs> so, You're qualifying her a little bit too. And she's like, I didn't know that I could get eight types of orgasm. Which, what are those orgasms? I said like, yeah, you have the breast organ and you have the G-spot, which is a little bit up there. And then you have the clitoris, which can be stimulated. And then you have the deep spot, which is the spot that can make you come from doggy style. And then you have the other spot, which is up which is basically the spot which will make you orgasm when you get fucked missionary. And, mm-hmm. and you have the U-spot, which actually is underrated. The U-spot is basically between the, the opening and the clitoris, you know, that area. You'll find mm. it. It's, it's yeah. reasonable. And by talking about that, again, you communicate sexual pricing. You know, you are a good lover. 
that's basically it. So. Yeah. Now, what happens if you're talking to a girl about sex or you're starting to talk about sex and her anti-slut defense comes up? I mean, for whatever reason, you're talking about it and you're talking about it openly and she's not the subject of the sexuality, yet she still feels uncomfortable just discussing sex. How do you handle that? Well, if that happens, you're totally duped. No, actually not. <laughs> That's what people think. And men actually fear rejection. It's like they're going to die. You yeah. They fear yeah. resistance. But what I can tell you this is that I don't see resistance as a bad thing necessarily. Uh-huh. And the reason is that because every resistance related to anti-flood defense, stuff such as like, you know what, I'm not that kind of girl. Oh, you know what, I'm actually not that sexual. You know, I'm not that freaky. You know, I think you're a little bit perverted. You know, all that stuff, basically typical anti-flood defense forms of resistance can actually be reframed. And they can be reframed into something that can be pretty useful. Basically, that resistance is based upon the fact that girls... We, I mean, we live in a society which is pretty judgmental around sex and girls. Yeah, especially with women. Especially yeah. women. They are the fairest blood label, right? So they want to act in a way that doesn't make them doesn't get them perceived as either loose, dirty, or over-sexual or slutty. So they will act like they're asexual and oftentimes kind of like push back when you talk too much about dirty stuff. And this is all due to, not necessarily all due, but most of it is due to social conditioning. And what you want to do is to reframe that. And I have something I call sexual reframing, which basically is all, it's pretty simple. It sounds pretty fancy, but it's pretty simple, actually. It's all about discussing how you can reframe these different conditionings she has. So for example, you can tell her that, you know what? Okay, I understand that, that you think that's dirty, but have you ever asked yourself why this is dirty? Don't you think it's totally natural for someone to actually have those fantasies, you know? I'm sure you have them too, you know? These mornings when you wake up and you're wet and you're thinking about something really dirty and, and you're ashamed of yourself, you know, because of these dirty thoughts. But think about it. It made you feel good. And did you harm anyone? No, you didn't cause any harm. So why is that bad? Interesting. Well, like, no, because, you know, anti-slut defense is a part of chick logic. You know, it's, it's your logic. So you want to reframe it logically, right. actually. And then you talk about logic. Right. We men are good at logic. So we can actually reframe this easily. Or if she goes, I'm not that type of girl. Well, maybe not. But why wouldn't you be that type of girl? Wouldn't it be much better if we could all be pretty sexually liberated? It will be, it will make the world a better place because we will be more, have open conversations about sex. I think it's a good thing because think about it. Most bad sex in relationships is due to the lack of communication because people are afraid to open up. Yeah. And people are like, wow, that makes sense. Maybe I should open up a little bit. <laughs> you pretty much want to reframe sex as something which is not a big deal, something that is totally natural and something that is pleasurable and something that she should feel allowed to actually enjoy. Again, the sexual pricing thing is all about leading her in a way that makes her desire you. What you do with sexual reframing is that you make her feel allowed to desire you in a way. Right, right. And there's actually another technique that is also really powerful. I call this secret lover frame, but you can actually rephrase it as showing lowkiness. And there are many ways to show being low-key. First of all, just isolating the girl. In other words, pull her away from, from her friends. This is pretty classic knowledge. But what you can also do is it's actually pretty simple. You can tell her that you are low-key. For example, you can tell her, you know what, I think it's pretty bad that men, they want to show the picture about the girl they just fucked to any friend they have, you know. I think it's bad, you know. It's, it's, I don't want to do that because I know that this can lead sometimes to social consequences to girls. So I don't do right. that, you know. If I fuck a girl, that's secret between me and her. You know, that's our thing. I'll tell that to girls and they'll be like, okay, if I fuck him, I won't get that many social consequences because I won't get the slut label because nobody will find out about it because he's low-key. I will tell girls outright, you know what? I don't think it's right of me to tell everybody who I fuck because, you know what, I think it's between me and her. Another thing you can do is that, you know what, I think secret sex is always hotter. It's, it's, it's the hotter sex, you know, when things are secret, you know, and the girls are like, yeah, it's actually, right. it's actually hotter. Yeah, 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 I agree. You know, and this way you actually communicate that, you know, you're the low-key kind of guy. And believe me, if a girl has to choose between two attractive guys, you know, two really attractive guys, and one of them is low-key and the other one is not, she will always pick, if they're equally attractive, of course, she'll pick the low-key guy. Always. Always. Of course, of course. And of course, this is the perfect opportunity to delve into framing as a lover versus framing as a provider and how that 
plays into sexual prizing and, and sexual conversation. I mean, it seems that in your situation and the kinds of conversations you have with women, you always portray yourself as a lover. And that's exactly what you want, especially to have sex with them quickly. Well, the first reason for that is basically I'm a young man. Well, I did pretty good at school, so I have at least a degree, but I don't have much to provide. You know, I'm a decent looking guy. Right. I'm a pretty nice person, pretty cool guy, but I don't have anything out of the ordinary to give her, except sex. I'm pretty good in bed. I was in Bulgaria this summer and I had a little game, which was to actually pull girls back to my hotel room and like strangers, like 19 year old girls who just basically had no sexual experiences and make them squirt. It sometimes worked, but it didn't always work. But actually I tried and making, a, it worked pretty often actually. So, you know, you get these skills, this sexual confidence and skill set. you know, you suddenly have a product to offer. And my product to girls is very simple. It's good sex in a safe environment. In other words, she won't get any social consequences in a non-judgmental environment as well. So I will not judge so she can feel totally open about releasing herself. She can tell me anything. For example, I actually don't make any big promises to people that I can't hold. Right. That's why I never promise eternal love or monogamy or anything to girls. However, what I do actually <laughs> promise girls, and I always keep this promise, is that, and I actually tell this to girls, is that, you know what? I can't promise everything, but I can promise you this. I will never, ever, in my whole life, between me and you, and this goes not only for you, but for every other woman I meet, I will never judge you for your sexual desires. I will never judge you for you wanting to do something kinky. I might not like everything you do, like as a mm -hmm. kink thing, you know? That will always respect your desire and I will never judge you for it. And this pretty much opens her up right away. And some people might ask me, you know, actually sex talk, why? You know, there are many other ways to pick up women. And yes, it's true. But sex talk can help you get really hot girls pretty quickly. The most important thing is that which other methods don't give you that this allows you to have good sex with women, great sex. And completely uninhibited too, you know, when they're with you, they feel safe to do whatever the hell you want to do sexually, whether it's threesomes, whether it's like something kinky or BDSM. I imagine you can have all sorts of wild experiences. I have a history of having lay reports that are pretty wild with BDSM stuff, with MILFs just sitting on my cock, you know, and sticking her, my cock right into their asses. You know, I actually had the girl once who, who took me home because she wanted to show me her BDSM stuff, you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, cool. Wow. You know? wow. I'm going to have a lot of fun tonight. And this is something that I want good sex, you know. I actually tell this to women too, you know. I don't want sex. And then she's like all confused. I mean, come on, dude, you just talk about sex for 10 minutes and you tell me you don't want sex. What the fuck? I said, you know what? I don't want sex. <laughs> I want good sex. Are yeah. you one of us? I tell her, yeah, I am. I am. Cool. High five for good sex. Boom. And then it's, you know, create this some good report right away. Another cool thing about sex talk is that you can get to good sex and crazy stuff, but you can also actually pick up lesbians, which is pretty funny, you know, for some weird reason, because they're not attracted to you physically. They are not social either, but they, of course, like any girl else, wants to orgasm. And you actually can provide this to lesbian too. It doesn't always work, but you have higher chances of fucking lesbians. And this year, I actually had sex with three lesbians so far. Like, this is since, oh, wow. since, August, since August, actually. And one was in the bathroom, and the one went home back with me this Saturday. So it was, uh, it's, it's actually a lot of pressure going down on the lesbian girl, believe me. <laughs> believe me, it is. I, just, I can only imagine. I mean, they're so used to girls, you know, and women know women's bodies the yeah. best. So they're used to girls licking their pussies. And, you know, it's just something that you got to kind of stand up to <laughs> in a way and, like, work up to, too. Let us not talk about how they suck you off, because that's a disaster. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> that's <so> horrible, <laughs> believe me. Oh, my Oh my God. Well, anyway, back to a bigger picture, though. It seems that we've heard it in the seduction communities, particularly as a result of guys like Tyler Durden, of something called the Secret Society, which is that, I mean, the whole concept behind this, it comprises of most women out there and a very few select chosen amount of men. And women really seek out those men that will give them well, I mean, quote-unquote taboo experience, but what it really is is a truly sexual, uninhibited experience. Like, you're a secret lover that's low-key, 
that provides her with lots of amazing, powerful orgasms and at the same time allow her to have virtually no consequences to anything in her life, socially or with her reputation. So let me first say this about this whole suicide thing. It's a very strange post in a way. There are no posts like it. And, you know, Tyler Durden is a very reflective guy who likes to think outside the box. I'll give him that. Um, yeah. And he's one of like the old guys, you know, I really always liked reading his stuff. I don't really relate to his way of doing things, but I think he's a guy who deserves respect. And this strict society thing, first of all, many people disregard it because it's a weird post. But the thing is, it's not really an actual description of society. It's more of a, an abstract way of seeing how things really are. Right. And basically the whole idea of secret society is that since we live in a judgmental society, which is a result of basically most men not being able to get laid, willing to, to set a very strict moral around sex in order to control female sexuality. And this is where monogamy actually came in because right. you know, every man gets one girl and you avoid conflicts and you avoid having these few men, which are alpha males, if you want to call it that, you know, getting all the girls. Right. And the problem is that, and also the society has redefined what is attractive, and that's where you'll read all the pop culture stuff, you know, all the thing about what women like, you know, dating advices online, you know, not the cool stuff, <laughs> the bad stuff, you know, be nice, buy her clothes, buy her rings, buy her expensive dinners, date three times. Right. So monogamy basically is made into the prize, but that's not really the reality of human attraction. I mean, we can construct different norms and different ways of. I mean, we can create socially perception of what is attractive, but that doesn't change the fact that what is biologically attractive is biologically attractive. And now some people say, oh, looks, that's all about looks. Yeah, sure. Looks helps. Being a good looking guy will help you, but game trumps it all. It's more about, when I talk about biological attractive, sure, looks plays a role, but it's more about having the right attitudes. Right. And there are many things there, like sort of being a confident guy, you know, all stuff you generally learn. But when it comes down to the secret society, it's based on creating a scenario where you are an insider into women's world. That's what it's all about. Mm. And you kind of create this own little world, this bubble where you and her or her friend, if you want to have a threesome, or her other friend, if you want to have something more crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> kind of like you release each other. By the way, foursomes are terrible. I mean, you only have two hands and one head. And <laughs> if you have a foursome, I mean, you can't move the next day. Believe me, it's terrible. It's so much work. It's actually, it's not <laughs> worth it. So just forget about it. It's terrible. Threesomes are nice. Word. Forget about foursomes. But anyway, so you're in this bubble. And what the secret side is about creating this bubble which is sexually liberated and which is uh, like closed off for the rest of society. So they won't know what's happening. So it's low key. Again, like we talked about, non-judgmental, low key and where they can have good sex. And that's the secret society. And the idea here is that if you are a secret society male, which basically my whole system is based upon being a lover who is in a secret society, will get the crazy sex, will get the crazy experiences with women. And if I can just show you an example by the way, you can describe the secret society like I did now to girls, and they will actually don't use the word secret society, but tell talk about the bubble which is sexually liberated and all that. You know, girls will swallow that crap like candy. Oh, of course, me. and they understand it intuitively. Yeah, but let me play a little game on you. You know, I actually have um, a routine which I call the secret society routine, which by the way works like a charm. So uh, you can feel free to you listeners, you can steal it or make your own version of it. But anyway, let's play a game, right? Yeah, let's so, go for it. Pretty simple. Uh, usually I will transition. I like to show transitionings because, you know, we talked about it earlier. I'll say, for example, this. You know what? I've been reading about some papers at university today and I want to do like a little experiment. Do uh, you want to do a little experiment? It's just, it's nothing dangerous. It's just uh, you need to answer a few questions and you can always back up and you can back up anytime. And the girl will say, yes, I'm in for it. Okay. I want you now to picture a house. Which color is the house? Mm, the house I'm picturing is... Is white. White. White house. It has shingles on the roof. Yeah. And tell me more about what it looks like inside. What if the furniture? Hmm. Well, it's a two-story house. There's uh, there's couches everywhere. They're leather couches. They're black. There's a hardwood floor. The floors are painted like a t light tan color. It's a pretty modern house, so it's you know quite attractive. It's very clean, very nifty. And how is the lighting? Is it dark, light? Um, the lighting right now is a little bit on the dim side. I mean, it's relaxed. It feels ambient. It feels like a place you'd go to relax and unwind. 
Now, I want you to picture the house that there is a lot of people there and they're all naked and they're all very attractive people, people you find attractive. Mm. It can be both girls and men and they're all naked and they're all enjoying each other. They're all having mm. sex and this, they're having all the crazy sex you like. If you like two men fucking one girl, then you'll see that in that house. If you see one girl squirting to a man stimulating her G-spot, then that's what you'll see. If there are two girls fucking one guy or sucking off one guy, then that's what you'll see. You'll see all the dirty stuff you like. If you want to see a man dominate a girl, that's what you'll see. You see all these people around you. And I want you to know now that in this house, everything that happens in this house will stay in that house. Sure, you're free to leave it any time, but what happens there will stay a secret there. And I want you also to know that people there are not judgmental at all. Whatever you like, you can watch them. They won't judge you for that. You can touch yourself. They won't judge you for that. You can tell them you want to eat shit. They won't judge you for that. Now, think of two men, or and for, in your case, I will say two girls because you're a guy, okay? Think about two girls coming up to you. And they're both very attractive. And you can ask one of the girls to leave any time if you just want, want to be there. And one of them is actually touching you, and the other one is touching you as well. And you start feeling extremely horny. You feel that your heartbeat pumping harder and harder. And you feel that the more excited you get, the more you want them to touch you. And the more they touch you, the more exciting you get. And you feel that, wow, that rush. What would you do in that situation? And they start touching you. What would you do? Well, I would probably start to touch them back. And I would start to... As I start to feel pleasurable, I would probably start to to moan a little bit. I'd start to breathe heavier. And I might even want to kiss them and, you know, just like grab different parts of that girl's body. What if her, think of one girl having a perfectly pink pussy and it's really wet and she tells you, would you like to stick your tongue right there now, bad boy? Would you say yes to that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. What if the other girl says, while you do that, she grabs your balls and starts stimulating them and then licks her way up from your testicles up to your cock and then gently licks around it and puts her, her lips around it while she slowly puts your whole thing in her mouth. Would you let her do that? Wow. I definitely would because that sounds like it would feel amazing. So basically, you would fuck them both, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what? I would do the same, actually. If I were you. And you know what? This scenario, you liked this whole scenario, didn't you? This whole thing, you can do anything you like without being judged, without knowing that anyone else would know, your friends would never know. It'll be your secret. You'd love that scenario, right? Absolutely. I would love that too. It sounds so liberated. You know what? What's your favorite music? Uh, I like ambient music. I like uh, chill I like out. ambient music too. So what I did now was I fractionated it, as we talked about earlier on. And basically, <laughs> I, with a girl, I would, of course, change the topic from girls to two men. Or sometimes, if, if I sense yeah. a little bisexuality, I would do one girl, one guy. You know, I can mix things up and uh -huh. I can change it up if she doesn't like it. Basically, this routine is all about describing a secret society. Because what I do is I talk about this scenario where people are having sex freely. Good sex freely. The sex she really wants. Yeah. And don't tell me. You picture that whole scenario. You got a little bit horny from that, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Not now, but, but you felt like, well, it's pretty hot, right? And this is a secret society in a nutshell. And this is me as a guy, of course. You know, if it's a girl, she can feel far more and she's far more sensitive. So... Especially if she's a super sexual girl, she would get turned on really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So that's basically secret society in a routine. And it works like a charm. I actually pulled girls from this one. There was this girl a few weeks ago. I managed to actually do this routine on. And then she left the club, but she took my number at 3 o'clock when the club was closing. She called me back to meet me up. Unfortunately, she didn't have her own place because she was in the army. She was a really hot girl. Wow. Actually, Joseph from, uh, from Girls Trace actually showed a picture of her and he liked her too. And what happened was that we went to this after party with a friend and we had no logistics at all. Like we had like this pothead sleeping beside us and her friend on the other side you know and the bedrooms were occupied she went that far as she had her period as well just to make the matter worse okay oh my god <laughs> and actually i had to reframe it i had to tell her that i don't mind periods yeah. i think it's a natural thing it's the most feminine thing ever yeah. and she was all cool with that i managed to reframe that and what happened next was that she told me you know what fuck this shit fuck this shit she said fuck this shit you know what we go and sleep in the bathroom i'll grab a carpet you know and, and we will go straight to the bathroom and we'll sleep there 
And we went down in the bathroom, this dirty bathroom. I mean, in my head, I was sleeping beneath the toilet. I mean, it was terrible. But she was there, and she wanted to fuck like no tomorrow. And actually, she was sucking me off and wanted me to fuck her doggy and all that. I mean, it was terrible. It was so hot in there. It was really hot. And then we went back on the floor and slept there because she wants to sleep naked with me all night long. So sometimes, you know, this thing can actually make a girl go totally crazy. The way she is, usually, the whole idea with sexual game with text talk is to make her go from a normal girl, you know, the typical girl who likes to shop and who's a bit stuck up and all that to becoming that real sexual freak. That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. Yeah. It's bringing out the inner sexual beast and just allowing her to express it with no consequences, completely freely uninhibited. Every girl has a sexual beast. They all have a story to tell. And I want to hear that story. And I actually say that to girls too. And they really like that too. And, And the thing is, this whole thing and these stories, every stories I mention in this podcast, they're all about normal girls, girls with good families, you know, girls who go to school. I actually had some really dominant sex with a law student recently, and it was great. And the other girl was a nurse, you know, totally normal girls. Occasionally, I get those crazy freaks and having a bit of fun, but usually it's normal girls. This is what is so cool about it, you know. That's what's awesome. Nice. Cool. Well, that's all, man. That was a freaking amazing podcast, Alec. And I feel like it's definitely worth warranting another listen, at least for me, and definitely for listeners too. A lot of very advanced subject matter in there. But again, we're all about revolutionizing your dating life and seduction over here on Girls Chase. So thank you so much. Thanks, man. Before I leave, I would love to share one quick routine that has a 100% success rate you can use tonight. Sure. Let's go for it. All right. It's very, very simple. And since we talked about transitioning to sex talk earlier on, this was also a great transitioning. So basically, you open up a girl. Okay. You end up in a conversation with her, and you can tell her this. You know what's so unfair? She'll go like, no, I don't know, that I, as a guy, can fuck any girl I want, and nothing will happen to me considering I used a condom and all that, but nothing will happen to me. But if you, as a girl, do that exact thing, you'll be labeled as a slut. I think that's totally unfair. And she'll go like, oh, thanks, I'm so grateful for you to tell me this. Or she'll say like, oh, it's so unfair. I think it's so bad. Or she'll say, you know what? I don't really care what people think of me. You know, I don't really care what they say. All three responses are really great. And it shows you that you are non-judgmental and it also puts a sexual tone. You know, you get straight into sex talk. And it's a very good way to hook them in because it shows that you understand them. You have social awareness. And this is a very attractive thing. And it always works. I've never been rejected with this one. Sometimes I don't get laid from it, but I've never gotten rejected. I've always gotten a positive response. So yeah, that's, that's beautiful. a cool thing. And I want to mention that um, I will write more about sex talk on Girl Shades. I'm just trying to cover some foundations first because it is, even though very efficient and very nice, cool method, it is pretty advanced. So I want to cover some foundations so that I can actually build the good stuff out later on. I really have plans for this. So if you expect hope for more stuff, it will come. That I guarantee. Of course. I mean, all your writings have been incredible up to this point. And yeah, like Alex said, this is a fairly advanced topic that we all get to work up to. But very important because as you can see by Alex's examples and the stuff we've talked about today, it can make your seductions quite efficient and a lot more fun than they might be now. Absolutely. Definitely, you've, you know, threesomes, BDSM, like all kinds of awesome, exciting, uninhibited sex with beautiful women. Like what else could you want? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it changed my life and I have a great time now. I mean, every weekend I'm looking forward to what crazy stories I might jump into. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Thank you again, Alec. Have a good night. Thanks, man. Thanks. It was a pleasure being here. See you. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of the Girls Chase podcast in about a month's time. Until then, I'm Varun Raja, signing out. Thank you.